0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's hop on a time machine and travel back to the early 1990s. 27-year-old Malaysian girlie Chu. She's visiting the United States. She's having a great time. She's seeing the sights. And while she's there, she visits the Sea in San Antonio, Texas. And she doesn't just find a great day at the Aquarium and Theme Park. She finds a man. While she's on vacation, she meets Dr. Diazian Hossenkoft, who was only about two years her junior. And he's not just a regular doctor, he's not just like a GP, he's a specialist, he's a special doctor. She likes him, they're flirty-flirty, and even after they return home, they start to write letters back and forth. They are in love, they are making plans, and she is going to move to the great US of A, and they are going to get married and they do. This is like a 90 Day Fiancé success story before 90 Day Fiancé on TLC. But how did this love story end in her disappearance, her alleged murder, and conspiracies of aliens, reptilian shapeshifters? Honestly, I've never heard a case like this one. Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. And today we are covering the murder of Gurley Chu. Gully Chu was born on 27th August 1963. We don't know much about her early life, but it seems that she had a younger brother, Andrew. Some sources also t- refer to a sister, June Chu, but other sources refer to June as Andrew's wife, so her sister-in-law. Now, in her late 20s, she meets Dr. Diazin Hossenkoft in Seawell and they start a correspondence. They literally write letters for a couple of years until finally he proposes. And he doesn't just propose with any random ring. He proposes with a ring worth about 7.5 thousand USD, which with inflation and everything, I assume is about 10 thousand, which at that time would have gotten you some real bling, like at least a carat. Now by 1993, they are married and Gully moves to Albuquerque, New Mexico from Malaysia. She assimilates into American life just like that and she works at the Bank of New Mexico and it is said that she was charming, she was responsible, she was smart. Her nickname at the bank was literally microchip because of how fast and accurate she was. In fact, for the first couple of years, everything seemed to be going fine, and Gurley was working at the bank, Diazen was a successful and well-respected doctor, and he just, he wasn't just a regular doctor, you know, like we said, he was, he, he said that he was a thoracic surgeon that had graduated from the University of Tokyo and Cornell Medical School, so an Ivy League, except he wasn't. Diazin Hoffenkoft had never even graduated from medical school. He had been caught doctoring, <laughs> get it, doctoring his transcripts. And after that, he had been expelled from medical school. In fact, Diazen Hoffenkoft wasn't even his real name. His real name was Armand Chavez. And he was born on 5th March 1965 in Houston, Texas. And he was not a doctor. In fact, he was a con man, a fraudster more than anything. He didn't lie to only Gully. He lied to everybody. And so... While Gully believed that he was a surgeon, he was also telling other people that he was a geneticist and that he had the cure for cancer. Okay, get it? The cure for cancer. He also said that this wasn't just any cure for cancer, it was a secret serum made out of his own blood. And so, you are asking, why would his blood be so special? Could it be that he was basically the living fountain of youth? That he was also secretly hundreds, nay, thousands of years old? So, Dyson didn't just sell the cure for cancer. He also sold anti-aging treatments for thousands and thousands of dollars. But that wasn't the only thing that he was lying to Gurley about. He was also cheating on Gurley, basically all the time. He even had a son with another woman, a Japanese woman, who was living in Canada. So on one of his many trips, he would be like, Oh, I have to go here for research, I have to go here for work, I have to go here for a patient. On one of these many trips... He ends up in the Banff Spring Hotels in Alberta, Canada, where he meets a Japanese woman who was working as a jewelry clerk. And he introduces himself, and he makes no indication that he's married. He's just like, I'm a doctor. And much like how the relationship with his wife started, he starts writing letters to these Japanese women, and they even have phone calls. And to add on to his many lies... He tells her that he's from a rich Swiss family, but now he's actually a U.S. citizen. They become friends, and in April 1995, where Diazen would have been in the second year of marriage with Gully, she visits the U.S. And during this time... She even visits his home with Gully, and she says that she didn't recall seeing any indication of any other woman in that home. He tells her that, oh you know what, the house is currently being remodeled and there's going to be like workers walking in and out. Maybe it might be better if we stayed in a hotel and of course they hooked up. Now at this point of time, this unnamed Japanese woman, she also kind of had a Canadian boyfriend, but their relationship wasn't going that great. What is also interesting is that Diazen asked her to destroy all the letters that they had written to each other and any evidence of their relationship, so this wasn't a one-off thing. In fact, it seems that many of his quote-unquote cheating incidences were not one-off hookups. He visits Canada in June 1995, July 1995, and November 1995. And during one of these trips, she gets knocked out and she wasn't aware of it until she was visiting home in Japan. And she gives birth to a son on 8th of August 1996. She gives birth to the boy in the Sake-cho hospital in Japan. And on his birth paper, she says that she is the mother, but she doesn't enter a father's name. And very quickly, she gets a passport for the boy. Now, Daisan, he's aware of this pregnancy because him and Gurley, they were having trouble getting pregnant. So now he tells her that he... Dr. Diazenhofenkoft has a very complex and difficult genetic disorder which affects all members of the family and it would be in her best interest, the mother's best interest to give the boy to him to raise given that he has the financial ability and experience with this mysterious genetic issue which, which by the way we can safely assume is not real. And so when her son was only twenty four or twenty five days or less than a month old, they fly back from Japan to Mexico City, not New Mexico but Mexico City in South America, where she meets Tyson. They spend three days together and then she gives up her son to him because she believes that's what's best based on the lies that he told her. And she talks about feeling sad and ashamed about what she did and she felt like she couldn't go back to Japan after that. And so she ends up staying in Mexico and building a life there. She ends up marrying a professor there as well. And when this case finally came about, she was interviewed by the FBI, which is how we know about all of this. So Dyson brings back the son- home to New Mexico and he tells Gully that this is a boy that they are adopting and I think it's safe to assume that Gully just kind of accepted it and also they didn't have any children at that point of time they had difficulty conceiving and now we fast forward a couple of years to 1999 where Diazen and Gully's relationship is almost kind of unraveling because she's discovering the lies that he tells her and that the relationship is also becoming a little bit more abusive. Now, this same year, Diazen Hosenkoft, he goes to a conspiracy theory seminar for lizard people. And, And this is a concept that some of you may be familiar with, but... The gist of it is that the world is basically controlled and manipulated by some sort of unseen global network. Some sort, of, some sort of Illuminati, if you will. And this network is run by shape-shifting, interdimensional, creepy pedophiles who are also like lizard people, maybe? They believe that many of the world's ruling elite, including many of the important people in the world... Are basically this reptile people, these, these lizard people, and it is at this specific seminar that he meets a woman called Linda Henning. And now Linda was born on the 10th of October 1953. So she was older by by about 10 years. Now she was very much a classic California Hollywood. Girl. In fact, she was born in Hollywood, California. And in the tradition of hot girls born in California, she becomes a fashion model and then a fashion designer and a successful one at that. And she was already, already a little bit quirky, but after meeting Diazon, her behavior really ramps up. She stopped changing her clothes. She stopped Bathing, She started pushing her friends to be like, I, I met this doctor, miraculous doctor. And she actually told them that he was like a thousand year old alien who had promised her her powers that she was going to be a queen of like this lizard people or something like that. And not like 100% because different sources do say different things. But you get the gist of it. It's a little bit unhinged. And when she met him, she was actually engaged to someone else at that point of time. And she broke off her engagement because she believed that she was engaged to Diazhen. It also isn't really explained that well. But it does seem that Diazhen was going around proposing to women because Linda wasn't the only person he was engaged to. It is said that at this point of time, he may have been engaged to as many as three women. What is also a concerning, aside from his modern average number of fiancées, is that in addition to some alleged domestic abuse, some sort of questionable behaviour was definitely ramping up at home. It is also said that Gully had actually found him loosening the nuts on the wheels of a car, so it does seem that maybe he was trying to cause some sort of accident. But it is also believed that Gully did tell her co workers Hey, look, if anything happens to me, Diazin killed me. It is also reported that she moved out of their house and she filed for divorce in February 1999 earlier that year which not thinking about it is maybe why he's going around getting engaged to so many women as a sort of backup it is also said that she was planning on exposing him and that she actually contacted the fbi and told them to investigate him if anything happened to her so she definitely had a sense that something was coming and by the 10th of september 1999 Gully would go missing that morning. Gully, who was known to be responsible, who was known to be reliable, she did not show up for work. And together with the fact that her colleagues knew that she was in an abusive relationship and that her ex-husband was dodgy as hell, they immediately became worried about her and they reported her missing on the very same day. And which is kind of nice that she had such lovely colleagues. Which, if anything, is also a testament to the kind of person that she was. And so now, remember, she had moved out and she was in the process of divorcing Diaz. And so the police, they go to her apartment that she had moved to and they find concerning things. They find that like the apartment looked like it had just been cleaned. They find wet spots. And using luminol, they find blood in the apartment. But they don't find girly in the apartment. On that very same day... A workman on the highway 120 miles south of Albuquerque, he finds a top, a woman's blouse, a woman's shorts, underwear, pieces of duct tape, so basically a murder kit, basically murder evidence, all covered in blood and hair. It was later confirmed through DNA testing that this was Gully's blood and this was Gully's hair, But it wasn't just Scully's blood and hair. It also included blood and hair from another unidentified person. And the most obvious suspect would have been and is always the husband, especially with his history of alleged abuse and the impending divorce. But when the police went to Diazon's house... His front door was open and his home was empty. He had run away and the police had to track him down all the way to Charleston, South Carolina. And he was staying with another woman called Cheryl who, you guessed it, also thought that he was her one and only and that they were going to get married and that they were engaged. He also said that he had no idea where Gurley was and thankfully the police did not take him at his word and he was extradited back to New Mexico. Now do you remember the extra DNA that was found on the clothes and the top? So now this was not Diaz and Hoffenkopf's DNA. This was in fact DNA from Lisa Henning. And so the police, they get a search warrant for Lisa's home and in there they find a Japanese samurai sword like a long swat, hidden in the ceiling of her garage and this had been bought on the same day that Gully had gone missing they also find a shotgun and a 22 handgun and of course lisa says oh i've never heard of or met this girl of which you speak but of course this was a lie because there were records that showed that she had banked at Gurley's bank before, and at least once Gurley had been her bank teller, which is really creepy and messed up when you think about it, because it was almost like she was scoping her out. And on the 29th of October, 1999, the police arrest her for perjury, and on 17th of November, 1999, Linda Henning and and Hoffenkoft were indicted for first-degree murder. And so now, at first, Diazon was like, we aren't the actual murderers. The actual murderer is some guy called Bill Miller and his militia friends. I didn't know that my wife was going to be killed. I was just there to clean up any evidence, you know? And Bill was just practicing, you know, killing people for the New World Order. Which, of course, is the dodgiest thing I've ever heard. And now, do you remember when the police were investigating Girlie's apartment, they found another person's blood as well. And this blood belonged to Linda Henning. And what's interesting is that it seemed that Diazen was trying to protect Linda because he said that she was not involved in this at all. So why was her blood at the apartment? And this is what Diazen said. So he said, I had this blood, right? Because I was researching, because I was such like a legit doctor and everything, right? And so I was going to try to throw the police off by mixing a random person's blood with bleach and some other stuff. And I had this vial in my pants that I was going to throw in Gully's apartment. But, you know, when I sat down, it broke. So basically, he was saying that he fucked up. And so he was like, well... Now I need to have some other people's blood to throw the police off But the only person's blood I have is Linda's blood Which is why it was there Not because Linda was involved in the killing at all And even though this seemed like an obvious attempt To protect his then one and only fiance Linda's lawyer actually said that No, actually Diazen was trying to frame Linda for the crime Which is a bit questionable but okay and at that point of time, the death penalty was a thing in New Mexico. So Diaz and Hosen coughed. he ends up pleading guilty to avoid the death penalty. But I did read somewhere that even though he did plead guilty, he never really kept his end of the bargain by telling the police where Kelly's body was. Now, Linda did not plead guilty. But in October 2002, she was found guilty of first-degree murder, kidnapping, conspiracy to kidnap, tampering of evidence, and four counts of perjury. And on 18th April 2003, she was sentenced to 73 years in prison. And what is actually interesting to me is that Bill Miller is a real person because for some reason, I was very convinced that he was going to be a fake person. But he did receive one year of probation, not for any murder-related crimes, but for evidence tampering. And so, this case happened almost 20 years ago. But three years ago, in 2020, and Hossenkoft, who is serving his life sentence, he just randomly pops up and he requests for a judge to vacate his life sentence because he said, Oh, you know what? At that point of time, the prosecutors and the police, they were colluding to hide evidence. So now, Gully's body was never found. But you know that people do talk in prison and it is alleged there is this rumor floating around and it is a rumor, we must say, that apparently when Linda was in prison, one of her prison friends asked her, hey Linda, what happened to Gully's body? And Linda actually just gestured like she was eating. So as to say that she may have eaten parts of the body to get rid of it which may also be why Diazen may not have wanted to share where he and Linda hidden or disposed of Gurley's body because then there would have been evidence of whatever they did do to it. And that is the case of Gurley Chu. So this is such a wild case to research so I think if you're interested it's definitely worth it to do a deep dive on it especially on reddit and other sites. And on an unrelated note, I have some really fun news. I will be appearing on a podcast podcast on the 30th of September. So that's just a couple of days away and it will be happening this Saturday at Scape Singapore. I will be on a cute little panel with Danny, the producer of Stranger Danger and Guang Jin, who many of you may be familiar with, who is the host and creator of Heinous, And we will be talking about actual podcasting itself, which I think is a really interesting subject to follow. So everybody on this panel is a person with an interest in true crime. And so I think if you're around, you might find it interesting as well. And the tickets are free, which is great because truly nothing is better than free. And talking about other free things, I think about a year or two ago. Okay, so another side story to this side story. About a year or two ago, I wanted to make merch. That is, until I found out how difficult it actually is to make merch. And so I went to a supplier. I got a bunch of samples for like briefcase t-shirts and briefcase briefs and some hats. And of all the samples that I got, I think a lot of the shirts were kind of like shitty quality. So I didn't want to move forward with that. And I wasn't too happy with the actual like briefcase briefs because they were like not comfortable at all. And I did not want this like subject other people's bottoms. To it, which is a bit of a shame because I thought they would have been very cute, but like whatever. Okay. So, anyway, the point is that I made a bunch of hats in baby pink and blue, but like the hat doesn't say like a briefcase on it or anything, it just says bow bow because I wanted it to be a bit like oh hello ABC Bow Bows. Um, so I think on one hand, it's a bit sad because you can't explicitly be like, oh, this is the hat of a podcast that I'm supporting. But I think it's kind of nice because you can still wear it out and people will think that you're wearing like a cutesy hat. And I think at that point of time, I didn't want it to be like too cheesy. So I have something like maybe like 5 to 10 of these hats, maybe less possibly. Um, so if you are going... One of them has been taken because I posted on my story. If you share any of my podcast stuff, I will give you a hat if you're going to this thing. So Francine, I will see you there and, you know, give you your hat. But yeah, if anybody else wants a hat, follow me on Instagram and on Spotify and just like just share something of the podcast. And I think it would be super nice if you could like literally just share the podcast itself with a link on your post or whatever. And then if you are going to this event, I can just pass you the hat in person. And this is just if you're going there, because very unfortunately, I don't have the capacity to like mail it out or anything, but I will be there with, I guess, my little stack of hats, which may not be that many hats, TBH. And if you are a podcasting friend and you want a hat and you are going to the same event, which is the Asia Podcast Festival, this Saturday, 30th of September Escape, let me know. And I guess this week I will be spending some time digging through my moving boxes from like a year ago looking for these hats. And honestly, maybe if I can find someone to make stickers for me in like four days, maybe we'll get, we'll have stickers too. Yeah, maybe I'll sell stickers. Will you buy stickers? I don't know. Anyway, this has been quite a digression and like just housekeeping matters. As always, you can find us online at abriefcasepodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram at abriefcasepodcast.com. And you will be able to find us just for one week, just for one day, at Scape in Singapore next Saturday on the Asia Podcast Festival for our podcast pot talk. And do join us. And if not, we'll see you next week for another brief case.